0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey guys, it's Steph. In this episode, I speak with one of my best friends, Cody Robinson, son, husband, father of two boys, veteran, and outdoorsman. Much of our conversation is a lighthearted BS session but we do talk about his military experience and living with PTSD and how the outdoors plays a part in helping him kick it in the ass. PTSD doesn't look the same for everyone, and if you need to talk to someone, there is help, confidential and free. Call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You're listening to the Woods and Waters Project, episode number four, This is Cody's story.
2: Cody obviously Um, I grew up in central Iowa and uh, was born and raised in Des Moines and our family moved around the metro for a little bit uh, just because my dad had a few different jobs spanning a few years and we uh, ended up finally in Altoona kind of where I spread my legs and grew up Um, and how I got into hunting was actually through my dad pretty much everybody else, their family. Yeah. Um, the, the outdoors means more to me than what most, than it does for most people. It's my outlet. It's my go-to. It's where I go to find solitude and peace. Um, you know, when you're, when they say you're hanging 20 foot closer to God and you know, it's, you just, I like waking up, waking up in the morning, sitting in the stand and you're sitting there and it's four 30 in the morning. and it's, you know, you got that light little breeze and you can hear the, Leaves uh, cackling against one another. You hear, you know, just life erupting in front of you, and just seeing that happening in front of your eyes, watching the sun come up, and it's just astounding to see the the way nature just kind of wakes itself up in the morning. And I get a thrill out of that.
1: Yeah, um, I like that. Twenty foot closer to God.
2: Yep. yep. Um. So my my dad got me into hunting, um, but really got me into archery. Um, There's a shop in Des Moines called Archery Field and Sports that was owned by a guy named Irv. He was uh, a big Fred Bear guy. He met him. Um, So I get a lot of my prowess from the archery side from Fred Bear. Um, You know, just the the old school, you know, recurve way. That's kind of how I started was a recurve. Um, And then eventually moved into Compound Bow uh, when me and my dad entered our first... uh, archery tournament and we won and I was like 12 Yeah. you know so that's uh, that's how I kind of got started into it
1: so is archery your primary way of hunting now
2: yes yep um, I find it more challenging because you have to get closer and you have to be quiet there's a lot more um, a lot more things you can screw up than what a lot of people realize um, just because you could move wrong and whatever you're engaging you know, tends to if if they find you, you have to st- stay as quiet as you can. But the uh, it's just I love the challenge of it. Just I mean, some people find it easy, but I like it's mentally taxing. It's spiritually taxing because if you're not spot on with you know with your setup and something's wrong, you'll you'll know it. You know, it's not as easy just pulling out a gun and pulling the trigger. So that's why uh, that's why I love archery.
1: Yeah, same. I would agree with everything that you just said and you said it really beautifully I want to thank you for your service
2: my pleasure thank you
1: could you tell us a little bit about like what branch you were in and Mm -hmm. getting into the military kind of the beginning of that
2: yep Um, so my dad was in the military it was in the Iowa Army National Guard for 27 years And he joined in 88 went to Desert Storm so I grew up with it basically growing up in Cam Dodge which is a military installation in Des Moines Um, he was a a horizontal engineer so he was on an excavator and uh, did that for a while then end up reclassing to a a 92 Fox which is a a petroleum uh, I guess petroleum specialist is what they call it and so he was basically a fuel jockey he fueled the vehicles, helicopters, pretty much anything that move, moved or flow, he fueled. Kind of sounds boring, but I grew up with it, fell in love with it, um, and that's what kind of steered me that way. Um, before I even considered joining the Army, I was actually going for the Air Force. And I, uh, Growing up, um, not a lot of people know this, but I grew up with psoriasis, so it's extreme dry skin. Mm-hmm. I was very self-conscious about myself, um, you know. Growing up, being the that kid in the locker room, you know, being the scrawny, you know, five foot four, blonde-haired kid, you know, I just kind of I stuck to myself and wasn't really that outgoing, yeah. which did really hit me hard. So, I wanted to join the Air Force, and unfortunately, um, I wasn't accepted because of it, because of dry skin. So to prove everybody else wrong, I joined the Army was scared.
1: You can swear here. I <laughs> was
2: scared shitless, to be honest. Um, you know, because of just the stories I've heard of basic, and, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I signed up, took the ASVA, passed, got my waiver. i had have a medical waiver to get in. Um, and joined the Iowa Army National Guard at the age of 18 as a 92 fox. Followed right in my dad's footsteps. So you can kind of see a trend how my dad's been huge and yeah, my life. Definitely. Um, so that's how I got to uh become you know an army soldier you know just kind of worked my way up went to basic training in fort jackson south carolina in the fall or the spring of 2009 from march to june and then i transferred from there to ait which is advanced individual training in uh, june through august of 2009 in fort lee virginia Uh, and got shipped home and that's kind of the how my military career came to came about. Gotcha.
1: Cody and I have become really good friends. Agreed. But (laughs) I'm glad you agree. (laughs) But it hasn't been long. No. And it happened in a kind of unique way. So I call
2: it spur of the moment.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we have a mutual friend that, when I was starting Woods and Waters Project and starting to put that out there, a good friend of mine from high school who was one of the few girlfriends that I had that understood my passion for hunting had tagged you on Facebook on my post that we should connect. Thanks, Kayla. Yeah, Kayla's the best. And we connected right away Mm -hmm. and had a phone call just about like, what you're doing, what I'm doing, how it seemed to align really well. And you have a company called Iron Creek Outdoors. Yes, I And do. that's what we started talking about. And then we found out we just had a lot uh, of the same passions and have a lot of the same dreams and desires and stuff. And it was, you know, been friends ever since. I think it's been like seven months or something. That's almost a year, <laughs> surprisingly. and <laughs> <laughs> uh. And, yeah, just, like, have been... I'm a huge supporter of you, and you've been a huge supporter of me, and I just... uh, Just, like, any industry, and you can have some resistance from others when you're trying to get into this. And on the flip side, you can have... built some really great friendships and partnerships. And I think Cody's story is really interesting, and I think it's one people want to hear. So could you go into a little bit about Iron Creek Outdoors and how that came to be?
2: Yeah, Um, so kind of further along on the military tree, um, I deployed to Afghanistan in 2010-2011 for Operation Enduring Freedom, and we deployed as the uh, 2nd of the 34th Infantry Division, so the Red Bull, Um, and it was the biggest mobilization in Iowa since World War II which was a huge undertaking. I actually volunteered for this deployment. Um, I belonged to an aviation unit up in Waterloo and my dad actually told me about this deployment coming up because he was still in at the time. And I was just fresh out of basic and AIT and uh, ended up volunteering for it and took a, actually took a transfer and a promotion from it. So I was an E3. So I was a private first class. Mm -hmm. Um, So our unit that I was with was Alpha 334 BSB. It was a brigade support battalion. So we had a bunch of supply people fuel it's called a quartermaster unit so uh, long story short uh, we had a bunch of it was kind of a misfit of folks because we had a bunch of people from all over the state join this unit and just to go um, and Iron Creek outdoors actually really came to fruition after the fact from deployment but I'll give you the kind of insight before that um, a buddy of mine named Caleb Center lives in Sutherland Iowa it's like a population of like 200 people Um, it's up in northwest Iowa by Spencer he uh, his family owns uh, 102 acres down in southern Iowa near Lake Rathbun and it's his home away from home and we started talking about deer hunting stuff and he said I really needed to check it out because it'll change my life so I said sure shit why not so uh, deployment was over um, and January came around and they have the antlerless high power season down there so he invited me down there with another buddy of ours and we I as soon as I stepped foot on that ground I absolutely fell in love with it um, and so we hunted there got to see the lay of the land and there's a small creek actually running through the the ground and it's a uh, it's kind of a challenge because when the water gets high you can't access different parts of it because it's it has its own mind of its own so it's a wild spirit from <laughs> kind of how I relate to it <laughs> yeah um, but the way Iron Creek Outdoors got its name, and most people don't know this, was um, I used the crick as a metaphor, as, you know, it's, it's challenging, but it, it flows freely. And I, want, I wanted the premise of this company to be, you know, it flows um, freely. It, it's not bound by any industry standards. Um, and I actually got Iron Creek from a television show called The Ranch off of Netflix. <laughs> so in that intro, there's a sign... That's iron, iron River Ranch. And I'm like, light bulb turned on. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use the Crick reference and put Iron Creek and then just add add outdoors to it.
1: Yeah, and I love that, it.
2: that's how Iron Creek Outdoors kind of <laughs> came to be.
1: So, I immediately, with Iron, I thought it was like a military reference. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows wrong. it's from a TV show. <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's one of my favorite TV shows, and that's how I kind of came up with the name of it. Because um, it actually started, Iron Creek Outdoors started in technically 2012, but we really didn't have a name for it until 2015 or 16. <laughs> so the whole premise was is we wanted to just start an organization to help uh, you know veterans out, take them out hunting, take kids out hunting, just to enjoy the experience. And it's been a tough road uh, because the industry is not always forgiving. Sure. You know, you can relate.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You know, there's always stereotypes. There's, uh, you know, barriers to knock down. And, you know, money has a lot to do with it. You know, if you don't have a lot of money in this industry, you know, people think that they can't make it very far. But that's the stereotype that we wanted to break. Yeah. Or at least I wanted to break. Yeah. So.
1: No, I love that. We've talked about this offline a little bit before and if this doesn't go super smoothly again don't have to record this but um, when you were overseas is that when is that how you met Caleb yeah
2: uh, so I actually met Caleb um, for the first time and in, uh, in Mississippi for our pre-mob so pre-mob is actually like two months before you go overseas you actually meet everybody in your unit you get separated and you start going through different warrior tasks and shooting your weapon and convoys, just basically to get ready for deployment. And I met Caleb, um, at the smoke shack. It's literally just a brick building with windows that you can go and leisurely smoke. Um, and that was, <laughs> I smoked a little bit, but that's how I kind of got my release, um, just from all the stress going on. Cause there's only so much you can do being yeah. tied up or in the uniform all the time. But long story short, um, I say that a lot, uh, I met Caleb there, and we instantly hit it off. Just like we were best friends for ten years. It, yeah. it was unreal. Yeah. Um, and now me and Caleb are like brothers. Um, he's out of the military now. I've been out for about a year and a half, um, and that's kind of how our friendship kind of flourished, and because we had a lot of common interests at that time. So.
1: And somewhere along the line, you guys started talking about hunting. Yes. And got to that point. It how does actually, that? How did two How did two guys just be like? Yeah, you like. <laughs> box man. Really?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how it went. We, uh, we just actually just started shooting shit and, you know, just finding out each other's past, just like how any other bromance would work. Um, and it, it kind of took off when we started talking about hunting because he was a big shotgun hunter. I'm an archery guy. So we come from two different spectrums. Um, and And both
1: from Iowa. Yep. Both from Iowa.
2: And we kind of took that commonality with, at least with the hunting aspect and um, that ground was kind of our staple. You know, I looked at that piece of ground on Google Maps when I was overseas like 10 times a day because I was so excited to see it. Because um, I've never actually had a piece of public ground. I mean, it's not mine, but I treat it as mine as such. Um, and that's how me and Kayla's relationship started when we went down and did that January, January antlerless season. I shot my first doe at the high power from like 13 yards away. It was. It's kind of brutal. <laughs> yeah. But 13 yards. just to see Caleb's excitement when I shot it. Um, we had some other deer taken at that time, but I was just like, this ground provided me with something that I, you know, was was after. Yeah. And I took that with a grain of salt and I've kind of been running with it since. I treat the ground very delicately because it's his family's property and I want to leave it the same way as I found it, pristine and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's. Uh, just kind of the foreground of how our relationship started how iron creek kind of took birth so yeah
1: yeah and probably a great way to pass the time while you guys were
2: yeah yeah i would completely agree because that's kind of what we <laughs> would always talk about It'd kind of get boring after a while but um the it's i mean as soon as you because it's like a thousand yards off the road because you come off s70 you get into, he's got a double dual gate. You basically drive down this path and you can't see any of his ground until you kind of take a catty corner right and it opens up and it's this giant gully. Comes out and you can see the whole row of trees. And if you see it right at sunrise, when the sun comes popping up, it will change your life. Yeah. Um, there's three, it used to be an old rock quarry back in the day. So there's been some maintenance that needed to be done and it has been done. So there's three stocked ponds. Um, the first big pond is actually ten acres. Uh, middle pond is six and a half, and duck pond, which is the furthest one south, is just a hair bit smaller than that. So it's it's kind of a mecca for us any sportsman. Um, and I yeah I could talk about that piece of <laughs> piece of ground forever, but um, it it's it's helped me cope with just with what I've gone through and. Still like that's why I talk about it so much because it's kind of a, like I said, a release and a way for me to escape because it's far enough away from everybody that it, I don't know, it's just, it's surreal. <laughs> I didn't think a piece of ground in the middle of Iowa would change my outlook on life and it it has.
1: Yeah, I feel like certain spaces in the outdoors have a way of, of doing that mm-hmm. to people and that's what this is all about. Yeah. That's the stuff I like to talk about because I think there are stereotypes of what outdoorsmen or hunters look like.
2: Exactly, the big burly dude.
1: Yeah, which you're kind of a burly dude.
2: Uh, I I am now. I don't look like a 13-year-old girl anymore, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, in my experience, I grew up hunting my whole life, and for a little while, I didn't know it took me a while to realize that even being a you know from Iowa, which is like whitetail Mecca
3: mm-hmm.
1: hunting, I mean it has a reputation for being a hunting state. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know any different until I really started, you know, I got older and I was a teenager and started to realize that. You know, what I did with my dad and my family was actually pretty special. I don't, know, I don't know that many people that are as into hunting in the outdoors as I am or as my father is. And I have a very select few uh, group of friends that, that enjoy it like I do. Like, maybe they go shot gun hunting once a year. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But um, people who, like, truly, like, have it in their blood... That, that's a rarity. And I, I think that sometimes people think that being from the Midwest, it's just maybe how we all are. Just
2: a given. Mm-hmm.
1: And really. and then the ones that are maybe don't have a respect for the land. Maybe they're just a bunch of rednecks drinking beer, shooting shit. Mm-hmm. You know, That's kind of the picture sometimes that's out there. And I, I truly don't believe that. Even Even the ones who look the part, deep down for most of them, it's not about killing something.
2: Like oh, yeah, I completely agree.
1: It's way, it's way deeper than that. Whether they want to admit that or not. No, not yeah. But getting a bunch of, you know, sixty year old white guys talk about their feelings is kind of difficult. Yeah. So
2: it's like talking to a brick.
1: Yeah. But it's important to them. Yeah. And they passed it down, you know, to us for a reason. Because it means something and it teaches something. Mm-hmm. And you know, on that note, you're a father, yep. and you're about to be a father again. Again.
2: <laughs> yeah, due at the end of October, thanks to the Patriots and the Super Bowl. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how that kind of came about. If you, if you really wanted to know, but yeah, um, yep, yeah, I've got a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old son named Maverick. Um, he was named from Top Gun. Um, yes. Not a lot of people know that, but. That's how that kind of came about because we kind of so come up with Goose is the next one. The, I, had a, I had a German <laughs> short hair named Goose, so okay. that kind of wiped off the table. But, <laughs> okay. Um, we're due uh, tail end of October with our second son. Uh, his name's going to be Bodie Scott. Um, we're really excited. He's going to be kind of... The, he's our rainbow baby. Yeah. Uh, we lost our second child um, in January of 18. Um, just we had a healthy heartbeat uh, all the way we found out in September and I was in Iowa City working and uh, my wife called me and basically said the baby wasn't viable anymore that really hit hard I wasn't able to go home for it so that was kind of a a hard thing for our marriage to kinda go through Um, but you know I let Chelsea I just I mean I didn't let her but I told her I said you know if you want to take some time before we want to add again I'm perfectly fine with that because it's know I don't know what she went through and I can't explain that or can't expect myself to really understand Mm -hmm. but at the same point you know it's just time heals all wounds I firmly believe that yeah and the outcropping of that is we're having a healthy fat baby boy he's measuring three weeks ahead so we're kind of anxious to see if he can beat Mavericks 10 pounds 22 ounce record oh my god so yeah, natural birth. So that was fun to do. It. Oh, <laughs>
1: bless her heart. Yeah,
2: she. Yeah, she hates me for that. <laughs> so that's why she says uh, he has a big head and an attitude like his dad because it's very true. He got a big <laughs> head and an attitude. So,
1: <laughs> well, with them being so young, fresh. Yeah. <laughs> what is? What do you hope that looks like? Like I, I know how much the outdoors means to you mm-hmm. and you know, now people have a, a taste of what it means to you. What do you, what does that look like for your boys?
2: Yeah. Um, I grew up, you know, as the oldest sibling and grew up with a sister who was two years younger than me or a year and a half. And it was always me and dad, me and dad, me and dad. Then my sister Mackenzie um, kind of followed on her footsteps. It was hard to swallow, you know, cause it was always me and dad tag teaming, you know, putting up stands, putting up cameras, trying to come up with the game plan. Then Kenzie came around, and it really changed my perspective on how uh, coaching conservation and how to really implement the "leave it as you see it" and mentality, and you know, just coaching with archery and just trying to teach another person how to hunt. And I wasn't really involved with it because I was kind of better at first. But when she shot her first doe, I was completely in awe. Cause just to see the fact that you know dad taught me and Kenzie both had a hunt and she was able to harvest something was just a blessing and I want to take a little bit of that but I want to really coach my boys to have respect for the land it's not this thing that you can just throw away because you know land as we know is already getting less and less and less and so utilizing our public ground utilizing, um, you know, private ground if you have it, respect it, uh, have respect for the wildlife, um, you know, just solid hunting practices. You know, I wanna I want to coach, but I also, I wanna do it in my way, the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the, I would say the top three things are obviously respect for the land, respect for the wildlife. Um, second would be just a, a favoring nature of caring enough for the wildlife kind of a weird. Eventually, when I get into my career with the DNR or conservation or however it goes, I have this weird obsession with just um, being with the wildlife because you're immersed into their world. It's not ours, you know. Um, they say everything belongs to the state, but it, you know, like I said, when you're 20 foot closer to God, it gives you a whole different perspective mm-hmm. on nature. Completely. Um, you know, when a lot of people decide to try to take a, a two year old spike buck, that is your choice. You know, you can't judge anybody more than anybody else. And if they want to shoot something like that and that be their first year, then by all means, you know, it's part of life. You know, you're not always going to have the biggest buck come in front of you, you're going to shoot it. It's earned, you know. Um, so I want to teach both my boys that you're, you have to work hard, but that reward will finally pay off.
1: Yeah. And this podcast is not strictly about hunting Mm -hmm. at all but that's you know one of my main outlets and I really want to shine a lot of light on it Um, because for me it's outdoors number one Mm -hmm. I don't really care sometimes if it's if it's hunting if it's hiking it's kayaking bird watching whatever like I just love being outside and I think I, I, you know, my hope is to shed some light on the positives of hunting and the difference that it makes for conservation Mm -hmm. and the difference it makes on people's souls a little bit. I
2: completely agree.
1: Um, And so, you know, there's probably people listening that don't love the idea of hunting or don't love the idea of shooting something that's not old and mature Mm -hmm. um, for an animal. So, what do you say to that? What do you tell, like, what do you think is important for people to understand about that, or what's your side of that?
2: Nature is nature, you know. Um, it depends on how you look at it and mold yourself because there's so many negative stereotypes out there, at least for the outdoor industry. Just, I mean, outdoors in general. I'm not, you know, like you said, for hiking, kayaking, just being immersed into the wildlife, Mm -hmm. being immersed out into nature. Um, People develop their own specific way to talk to it, to be in it. Um, you know, it's not just going out and hiking a trail. You know, it's more than that. Yeah. You know, you get to experience it with everything else among it, and it depends on how you want to adapt with it. Is my biggest thing because um, a lot of people just go out, use it, and they don't. You know, like Ted Nugent's a good example. You know, he's crazy, but he has so much respect because I grew up with him. Yeah, You know, watching the old shows, you know, um, and he gives back in certain ways that I want to try to teach as well. And that's kind of sort of the mission that ICO has. Um, you know, it's a little bit different lifestyle, but giving back instead of taking all the time, a lot of people like to take and not, you know, give back in certain ways and it's up to, up to your own self on how you want to do that. And I want to do that through conservation efforts, through, um, Teaching people the the right way, if it may be my way or just something that we reviewed and feel feel is a good tactic to use, um, you know, less invasive ways to climb a tree instead of scraping all the bark off and killing the tree, or I mean, there it, it goes on. But that's kind of how that's my take on. Um, I guess just to answer your question <laughs> the best way I can. Yeah. So
1: yeah, there's no wrong answer. I think it looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. For everybody but kind of the same yeah. right like I think that's what's so fascinating to me is you know I have friends and family and people I spend time with that are vegetarians and vegans and have no interest in the hunting side of things mm-hmm. but completely immerse themselves in the outdoors and then I've got people who are I don't even know if they know what a vegetable is you know completely are immersed in the hunting <laughs> side of things yeah. red meat all day fill in the freezer and I think it's fascinating if you ever have some deep conversations with either side, what they want mm-hmm. and what they love is the same.
3: Yeah.
1: And I feel like there is middle ground and you're a breath of fresh air for me. I think that's why we like vibe so well mm-hmm. was, uh, we grew up in a similar way and we have really similar passions and interests and you, uh, I can sometimes get a little too deep thinking into things and I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I think you do the you do the same. You look at things in a very philosophical philosophic philosophical way.
3: Uh, also.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah. We're like the same age and I don't know, it's just a breath of fresh air for me. I think I think more people like you need to share their heart. And I think there's a lot of bridging the gap we could do if we yeah. just opened up the conversation yeah. a little bit,
2: you know, and with woods in the waters, it, when you told me about the concept of your, your vision, cause it's not a company to me, it's a vision. Yeah. Um, the, from my perspective of the outdoors, you know, I sometimes people can get so tunnel visioned when it comes to being, being in, in an industry, You know, it doesn't matter if it's fishing, hunting, uh, being a conservationist or being uh, what have you. The, when Kayla kind of introduced us, I, I really didn't know what to expect. And, you know, that's why I asked when we first talked, you know, what do you do? Because I didn't, I I had no idea. You know, I heard woods in the waters and we just kind of, okay. But over these last seven, eight months, it's. It was in the waters has really not necessarily changed my perspective, but it has bettered me, you know, just being a part of it and either being part of advice or just representing it, period, you know, because I'm wearing your swag now. Yeah, he's wearing my
1: shirt and my hat. It's
2: amazing. Um, the the concept that you have put out and everybody's envision of, you know, what your vision is, has really drawn on how I should Live out my life, you know, cause it's, well, I appreciate it, the hell out of yeah, that. It, Thank you. It's really made me think differently instead of being so narrow minded about, you know, what do I want for ICO and you know, what direction it's going to go in? Why not just let it ride and flow instead of being so hyped up into it, you know, cause things happen for a reason
1: mm-hmm.
2: like our friendship. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I came right, right out of left field, you know, yeah, cause, totally. um, doing this and having people help out and it's been a an awesome ride and I hope it lasts forever but you know it may or may not at the same time you know I I value and view life so differently than I did before just because of um, your efforts and just the way you think and the way um, what's in the waters really evolved from you know what I thought was just a way to get women outdoors to mm-hmm. it being a lifestyle
3: yeah
2: and that's the way I want to view things from now on because it's not about your accomplishments. It's about, you know, what you can do to better yourself. Yeah. So
1: Yeah. And I think that you and I on the same page, um, like my bigot, the thing that's the most important to me is just passing it on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because this fight that we are fighting, like preserving nature and increasing conservation efforts and getting more people outside. And um, if you're not familiar with Iowa and conservation, we have a huge water quality problem. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, you know, issues that are arising with CRP and we have really limited public land. Mm -hmm. And agriculture uh, is a great thing, but it's also a very damaging thing. Yep,
2: hurts at the same time.
1: And if you're not familiar with, that every state's got their mess of problems. But this is this is something that, you know, I'm part of Pheasants Forever and I'm really active in National Wild Turkey Federation and I'm a big supporter of those groups. And it's not even from the hunting aspect. It's because this group of people genuinely care if all of this stuff is going to be around for the next generations yeah. to come. And if it wasn't for conservation groups like this, people like us, people that are listening, people who just take their kids on a hike in a park, if all of that just stops, we're going to have some serious problems. We're already just keeping things even keel right now. Yeah. If we don't, you know, make some waves, we're we're fighting a fight that we're going to lose. But I'd keep fighting that fight even if I'm going to lose. It doesn't right. matter to me. And I know you feel the I same way. Yep. Yeah. But passing it on and that's why I mentioned your kiddos and as I, I can tell like in your eyes and the way you talk about things if that really matters to you mm-hmm. that you pass that on to them yeah whether or not they hunt I don't think you necessarily care no but just this that is, yeah
2: yeah just as long as I know that I've, I've done my due diligence to pass it on and to make sure that they grew up you know it's just I want to teach them the exact same thing that I was always taught you know I want to I want to teach them in a fact that I use the mentality, you know, you use it or you, um, believe it the way you saw it the first time. Yeah. I want to pass on that mentality of, you know, just with coaching them because that, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, that matters a great deal, Mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, water quality, you know, the ag industry and everything else, you know, people value land differently in different perspectives and that's why... I want to make sure that I leave them better than you know anybody anybody else could teach these guys. But I, it's my job as a dad, as a father, to be the mentor to make sure that they treat it equally, treat it fairly, you know, accept everybody as who they are, not to be judgmental, you know, because there's a lot of stereotypes, like I said before, in this industry, just in the outdoor industry, period. That you know I don't want them to view that it's just because you're a guy and you can. Hunt doesn't make anybody make you better than anybody else, you know. And I think you and me have the same view. Is you know I want to help women as much as I want to help men. It's
3: yeah, it's the same. It's I'm the same. It's all equal. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I you know naturally gravitate like this podcast is. I you know I hope for men and women of all ages. That's my goal with the podcast. Uh, a lot of the events and the mentor, I mentoring I do. Tends to be more women specific, but, and I care about that greatly. But it's also just naturally became my niche because I didn't realize to our conversation earlier, there are some badass women out there. And because I've immersed myself in it, mm-hmm. I have recently been meeting them. I've joined groups and forums on social media, and it's just like such a cool world that I didn't even know existed. But for the longest time, I don't know very many women like me that have been doing it forever and then kept doing it and then want to teach it. And, you know, I don't have a, a female friend that I go hunting with. It's just it's just not a thing. I kind of do now, which is amazing. But, you know, I the last couple years, I would have a lot of female friends, adult female friends say, I want you to take me hunting. I want you to teach me how to shoot a shotgun. I want you to teach me how to shoot a bow. And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and I'm a little nervous because I want to make sure I pass it on correctly to them. But I, I want to do that. Like, I, I want to share that because I've been hooked since I was five years old. And I, I genuinely believe, um, you know, there is some level uh, of hunting. Outdoors is for everyone, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some level of hunting, some type of hunting that I think would speak to a lot of people. Yeah. Unless you're a complete, you know, if you're, if, if you're vegan... Even then though, we have people in a mentor class right now that don't eat meat who are going to hunt a deer for the first time in their life this October because they see the value in where your meat comes from and the process and learning the bone, slowing down to do that and being immersed in nature to get it done. Yep. Like They see the value and the, the health benefits of that and that is a beautiful thing and I'm not trying to convert anyone to a meat eater. I'm just saying like to your point earlier when you said 20 foot closer to God, like that's whether you believe in that or not, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like that's the, that's the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely want to speak to women because I, you know, have to be careful how I say this, but we, by nature tend to be givers. And we'll put ourselves to the side mm-hmm. for somebody else. Um, and there's some beauty in that, right? Like as a mother, mm-hmm. as, a, as a daughter, friend, um, partner, you have to give and take anyway. But women tend to give, give a lot more just by nature. And I think that nature hunting is a great way to heal to feel empowered to realize how capable you are. Mm-hmm. And if you are a mother, I mean, what a freaking badass thing to teach your kids, mm-hmm. you know? I I just think that's really important to me. And so yeah, all for women, but on the flip side, with guys, why you're such a breath of fresh air for me as well as uh you know, I was pretty much raised by men for the most part. I only have brothers, uncles. Uh, my dad is the one who taught me everything in the outdoors and I also want to maybe influence or teach men how to maybe better approach women about these subjects or to support them. Like I'm one of them. Yeah, you totally are. And there's a whole mess of you guys that are like super supportive of not just women, but just like diversity and, and people of color and different cultures getting into hunting. Like that is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like it does not need to look a certain kind of way. Yep,
3: I agree.
1: And that's like... From our first conversation, when we started going into each other's like why we do this and what we're doing, I could tell that right away. And that is like, I think, why we were instant friends.
2: Yep, I completely yeah. agree.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I just think that's badass. Yeah,
2: because there's, you know, I've been an avid bow hunter. You know, I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not the best. But just from what little I've learned in the last 20 years that I've been bow hunting is, you know, it, it takes patience. It takes, you know, just stability in your, in the way you, it's an art. It's not a, I mean, people call it a sport, but it's, I view it as an art. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I take archery so seriously. You know, you can make it your own. Um, and you get a poster in here or a frame that says, do epic shit. <laughs> and I think that is phenomenal and rolls on my next point is it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You know, if you're, you know, from Queens, New York, and you're not much of a whitetail hunter, you know, there's still people out there that are, that are, and you can, it doesn't matter what background you come from, you can still do epic shit in the mm-hmm. outdoors. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's why the outdoors, in it the, the, just the outdoors in general, drives me nuts in a good way. Yeah, Um, you know when I go to the Iowa Deer Classic every year, it's like again the the mecca of you know whitetail hunting. That I take whitetail hunting so seriously, like you do turkey. Um, It uh, it just it (laughs) I just it's hard it's it gives me choked up. It's hard to explain it, but when you're around so many crazed fanatics, but at the same time, I always hear in the male dominated industry, you know get that shit out of your mind, because yeah. it it may look cool on paper and you know you see these hunting shows and stuff about these you know it's a whole group of guys or it's like Michelle Bachman for instance you know Mm -hmm. she's her own or you get uh, Lee and Teflikoski you know they hunt together the it doesn't matter if you're male or female you you're still yourself make the make the experience the way you want it to be it is it is your canoe you paddle wherever you want to go Mm -hmm. you know there's of diversity out there. there's different ways to get yourself out there in the industry and you know whether you're you know portaging up in Minnesota like you did mm-hmm. for the first time uh, you're out in the Rockies you know going up to Estes as a tour example you know you're just like the first time I went to Estes driving the switchback road and you finally see Estes for itself you know and you smell the pine trees I like or I was in Rio Doso, New Mexico before my dad deployed to Iraq We went from the desert to pine trees. Like, what the, like, how does that even happen in (laughs) Southern New Mexico? You know, and all of a sudden you just smell fresh pine. And I'm like, I'm immersing myself with a smell. Like, what the hell? How does this even work? And I just get so worked up about, you know, just if I'd rather be outside 99% of the time than being cooped up inside, that's how I, that's how much I appreciate nature. You know, because when I was a little kid, I'd just sit out there, and we had this ash tree, or I call it paper tree, um, in our backyard um, in the corner of our fence. And I'd literally go sit at the bottom of that thing and just, I'd have a goose call.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I'd sit behind and grab a box and put it around me and think like I was duck hunting or goose hunting and sit there and quack in the middle of my neighborhood in Altoona. Like...
1: Did it ever work? No. Okay. <laughs> Not even close. No. That'd be pretty, pretty um, epic. And I still so.
2: suck at duck calls and goose calls, but long story short, it I just love being out, outside. You know, my parents would always yell at me, and I would be 60 blocks away, Would finally have to come in. You know, sometimes those kids are raised to, you know, they're always stuck in video games and all that stuff, and um, it got to a point where making a difference really put a different position in my mind, and nice um, age. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how I got myself immersed into it and absolutely love it. I would never take that away.
1: Yeah, if you hear sniffing, that's my, my Brittany Spaniel sage. On the microphone is this little furry contraption to help uh, absorb and block out certain noises. And it is made out of a rabbit, so she is super curious about it. See you later. There
2: she goes. Bye.
1: We're also sitting in my basement. It's not really a studio per se, but it's my little escape. And we're not outside, but I did put up these big pictures of pine trees to make us feel like we are. Yeah. I just need to get like, because pine is like my favorite smell. I should get like a pine scented something so you just feel just like a, you're in just the get outdoors. A pine tree. Just here. get,
2: like, a scented pine tree from Walmart. Just put it in here.
1: <laughs> they have scented pine trees?
2: Yeah, like the ones you hang in your car.
1: Oh, God. No, that's not the same. You definitely know the difference. When you, if you grew up with, like, the, tr- the tree yeah. car fresheners, yeah. and then you actually go out to, like... That's ten times When different. I went to Oregon, or when I've gone to Colorado, mm-hmm. or Arizona... Like sedona when you get into those pine trees it's it's like it's that's what different. this actually yeah. smells that's like. that's
2: why i when i said about the riadoso thing it's i have never smelled that so immense before because it was legit we had our windows down driving into this little gully and all of a sudden you see these pine trees you're like "Oh, that's cool and yeah. then all of a sudden wham! it hit you like a thousand set of bricks you're like it just it's a new encounter
3: yeah
2: you know um like for me for instance like when i'm outdoors i like the smell of fresh dirt My wife, on the other hand, hates it. (laughs) So we joined a company called L&M Custom Scents. They're based out of Kentucky, and Lloyd Billups owns it. Um, He uh, has this scent called Fresh Dirt, and he's got a shampoo and like a body wash combination thing that I use. It's it's in my shower caddy right now because I just brought it back out for hunting season. And when October 1st rolls around, my wife knows I'm going to smell literally like dirt for three and a half months, and she hates it. But at the same time, that is a smell that I absolutely love. Yeah. It's just under dirt. It's yeah. weird. I'm from Iowa. I like corn. I like dirt. Sorry. Don't make fun of me. But it uh, it's one of those things that it just triggers something in the back of my mind. Like, hey, it's deer season. Let's go. Yeah. Or like those little scent wafers.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. I love that smell. We hunted
2: a Christmas tree farm for years uh, up until this year. Um, and we used to grab pine branches and stuff and dirt and just kind of mix it all in a black bag. would take it home and let it sit all winter long, spring. We go back out there in the spring, recollect it, put it in, and we put our hunting clothes in there just to make sure they smell like it. It's a great and, idea. And every time I open up that box and you get that bill whiff of smell in your in your face, oh, it just I mean it 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 just gets me excited to be out be outside.
1: Yeah, I love that smell too. I haven't ever gone as hardcore enough to like shower with all of that for months <laughs> at a time. I'm kind of intrigued though. <laughs> I'm already kind of like a hippie in that sense anyway, so yeah. maybe I'll just. I'll see how, I don't know if Josh will be a fan of that, but,
3: yeah, he I, like it, but. I
1: might shower with dirt now. <laughs> I'm, like, really intrigued by that.
2: Yeah. So, that's the only, that's that's just one of my small tactics. I don't know if it works. I mean, I shoot deer, but it, I don't know. I'm, I'm crazy like that, I guess. But, yeah.
1: So, I want to talk a little bit more about your time in the military and... And veterans, and mm-hmm. in, in in general. Um, did My, I just say that word word weird? What
2: veteran?
1: Veterans, veterans.
2: That's better. Veteran. At least that's the way I say it. How do you bridge that gap?
1: My Iowa twang is coming out when I say certain words. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, oh! Sorry about that, bud. Uh. So, I I joined Pheasants Forever uh, a couple years ago, and an event we put together every fall is our Heroes Hunt, Mm -hmm. and I love being a part of this event. And I grew up with, uh, my mom's side of the family is super heavy military, both my grandfathers and both sides of my family were in the military, and my mom has all brothers, and they were all military. And it's just it's just been a part of my life, and I uh, I almost joined the Navy once. I was meeting with a Navy recruiter, and then my now husband uh, locked me in the house and told me he didn't want me to go, so then I didn't. Uh, but I have major respect for the military and their sacrifice and everything, ever everything that they do. Um, but I can't even I can't even form a complete sentence right now because I don't know the right way to ask this, to give it enough. I don't know if I can do it justice because, you know, there's so many different organizations and groups that thank our vets for what they've done. Um, And I just, it's, and it's amazing. And we should be doing that. And it just never feels like enough, Mm -hmm. but through Pheasants Forever and this heroes hunt, we get donations uh, to support vets in this hunt and this shoot that we put together every year and it's so much fun and it's so cool to see all ages there all um you know we've got people who can hardly walk to someone who's you know active right now 23 years old and they're all together mm-hmm. like men and women and it, it's just it's a really cool sight and the conversations you overhear and that everyone just seems so lit up and so happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that stuff is really important. And because I've immersed myself in it, I'm definitely seeing a correlation between, you know, military and the outdoors and or hunting. And what's your experience with that? Like, do you see that?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, my I'm merch right into it. Um, I, I know sometimes it's difficult to try to come up with the right terminology there is never a right way because even if you're in or out I what I refer to it as bridging the gap um, so when you join the military you're drilled so much on leadership and trying to um, communicate effectively and move as a team and blah 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 that's all it is blah 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 blah, blah to some folks um, some people like to Take it with them once they retire. Get out. Get kicked out. However you are listed that way, if you deployed or not. Um, so, when I deployed to Afghanistan, everybody has their own experiences depending on what your job was. When I first got over there, I was a draftsman because that's what I've had college experience with. Basically, drawing lines on a computer, putting plans together for utilities to come over seas to put up a building. I would draft plans, and that was my job for the basically the entire time I was there. Yeah. But I also volunteered for a sling load mission for the 101st Airborne um, and basically put net cargo nets together, hooked it to a helicopter, and they took it out to our infantry guys. And towards the tail end of that mission, um, we had a, a, an opportunity to go out and retrieve all of our nets and stuff like that. And my first sergeant decided, hey, you know, me we will go out there we'll gather all of our supplies, put into a conics, and they would fly back. Well, we flew out there and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Just imagine Wyoming. Mm-hmm. There's hardly anybody there. You're in this middle of this mountain pass with a river, whatever. Uh, we land in there and basically our infantry guys created a COP or a COP, which is a uh, combat outpost. So it's a place where villagers and military l- likeness can come together and try to exchange goods and it's more of a control point. So, because a terrorist, or terrorist, isis and um uh, the taliban would go in there in this mountain pass and would basically erupt these villagers would scare them half to death and would basically try to control it Mm -hmm. So our infantry guys went through there found caches and IDs and stuff and eliminated it and was trying to make it safer for the villagers around there and uh so long story short we flew out there in a black hawk and it was my first time being outside of the wire um Cause you know, there's, there's adventure guys, there's CAV that have that experience of that's what they're trained to do is go out and basically fuck shit up. Well, my job literally was, like I said, a draftsman. I volunteered for this mission to help run with the 101st Airborne and the Red Bulls to supply our guys with what they need. And I was out there with those guys, you know, they basically were out there for two straight weeks on the sun, the rain, the heat, everything and you know haven't had a shower in three weeks but yet i was a guy that you know i've been on post the entire time helping supply them and just getting to see that different perspective from my cushy deployment part of it Mm -hmm. to see those guys out there rocking it you know doing all that wishing i could have done that but i have more um i guess more respect for that side of the military sure um of the branch and uh you know we were attacked somewhat indirectly. Um, so just getting to see that experience, you know, being mortared and stuff, um, them taking care of that issue was awesome. <laughs> you know, USA. <laughs> um, but it really, when I got back to base and you know, I really started, uh, noticing more stuff. So when you're on post, um, or on base, you start noticing things a lot more when you actually get to visualize what's outside cause you're not stuck there the entire time so I look deployment a lot differently the last four months I was there and one thing I noticed is when a soldier passes or just um, you know steps on a bomb or you know gets killed in small arms fire um, I have a very unhappy feeling and uneasy feeling about funeral processions a lot of people think it's weird the reason is, is because when you're over there you're on base I was on a major Air Force base and we noticed um, basically these cleaned up Humvees. So the wheels were shined, the paint was clean. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, the ice pack, which is the coffin that bodies are transported in, just to be, uh, if you want explicit detail. And that's what's actually flown from uh, base to Dover, Maryland, when the family gets to finally meet the soldier. And I basically, we got to be the first ones to see that. And it just, it screwed with my mind you know me seeing a dead soldier as brash as that is in the back of a humvee and a slow funeral procession basically going to plane to finally go to his final resting place just screwed with me so much and when i came home and just seeing just being a part of a funeral it just i have very uneasy feelings about it i don't like it i probably will never get over it but that's one thing that really screws with me and You know, uh, dealing with other episodes and things like that. Um, I develop PTSD. I live with it. Um, You know, everybody has different severities of how they've basically developed it. Um, I didn't think I had it. And then I met my wife, and then just it started to kind of encroach into my life a lot faster. And then I finally just broke down and said, I have it. You know, I can't deny it anymore. Because I thought I was, you know, just with my cushy job that I had, I didn't think I had it. Mm -hmm. I do, um, but long story short, um, how I can really bridge that gap, like I said before, is I I don't suffer from PTSD. I live with it, and I'm beating it. I don't take meds. I'm not on CBD. I do it through the outdoors. How? I grew up hunting. Grew up loving it. But that's just being raised with it. Yeah. When I deployed and came back, I took a whole different approach and appreciation to the outdoors as a way to cope, Mm -hmm. as a way to try to beat it. Um, And that's how I can relate to veterans in a different way. You know, you get those old salty guys that have been out for 40 some years or 30 years that went to Korea, went to Vietnam, or Desert Storm or what have you, just like my dad. It doesn't matter what age you are, you still have that camaraderie, brother, sister, regardless of the age Mm gap. It's sometimes hard to recognize, but that's how I bridge that gap is just because I've been through it. I know how to communicate with these guys and gals. Um, everybody suffers equally. I don't like the word suffer, but that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: but that's how I bridge that gap is being it. That's
1: awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. What, um, if you don't mind sharing this yeah. more granular detail,
2: that's right.
1: how does your PTSD affect you
2: um anger is a big one um i can't really explain why but i just get so flustered with i think it's i think one way is just we were pounded with you know attention to detail and trying to be as perfect as possible and you know dress right dress and everything so like unorganized chaos is my biggest pet peeve mm-hmm. it's a ptsd symptom
3: mm-hmm.
2: but i absolutely dread unorganized chaos. So like if I'm at work and there's hardly any communication between different departments, mm-hmm. I start getting a panic attack <laughs> because I don't like it. Yeah, You know, cause you're drilled with communication. Yeah. Um, and trying to really deal with that's tough, but you learn to not just deal with it. It's more of a conquering it and kicking its ass. And do epic shit, <laughs> and that's why you know when I'm, that's why I take such a full. Ph- how did you do that? I
1: know I messed it up. Uh, philosophical
2: philosophical approach to being outdoors. I have a whole different outlook on just being outside.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not just hunting. It's it's that's that's my medicine. Mm-hmm. It uh, that's why I put so much time and investment into ICO, trying to do these cheapo or really <laughs> crappy YouTube videos that I, I'm trying to do and upload, trying to bring guys on that want the opportunity that aren't veterans to join an outdoor group mm-hmm. that don't have the opportunity or don't have a big name. You know, like I've got Marvin Bacon and Caleb Brain hanging um, as staff guys uh, that do a phenomenal job um, that want that opportunity. I want to give that opportunity to both veterans and non-military personnel, period. Because um, it gives them an opportunity to feel like they belong somewhere. Being a part of that brother and sisterhood really when I got out in 2018 it sucked because I really didn't have anywhere to go but that's why I invested somewhere so much time into ICO it really gave me a a place to belong yeah you know cuz I'm married soon I have two kids you know my family was somewhere to go but I wanted I wanted my own outlet yeah and that's how I can connect with veterans with trying to take them hunting or at least give them information on you can be a budget hunter and be very successful that's why I like the hunting public, for instance. Yeah. There's one guy, went to Walmart, buy bought 550 bucks with a bow, arrows, broadheads, everything, and went and shot a deer in Wisconsin in the middle of January, sitting on a five-gallon bucket and hit a doe. Heck yeah. You know, that's, I call it hobo hunting. Yeah. It's so cheap, but it is so effective. As long as you're putting wanting to put in that hard work, regardless if you're a vet or not, Yeah. you can still enjoy the outdoors.
1: Yeah. Well, PTSD affects a lot of people yeah. and we just, you know, associate it with, you know, going overseas yeah. specifically. Um, and yeah, that's something I would like to touch on. Uh, I know, I know women are super susceptible to PTSD. Because yeah, PTSD particular. has
2: many different forms. Yeah, Regardless if you sure if you had a, a child experience that, you know, um, it, it's hard to talk about this subject, but you know, if male or female had a, you know, a hard upbringing, mm-hmm. that's a PTSD, you mm-hmm. know, arena. Or if you were, and you know, involved in different stuff, I mean, it, it's hard. It, you, it's, I don't like being generalized. Yeah. And people generalize PTSD so much that it, it's kind of sickening. Yeah. At the same point, but it's something that's beatable as long as you're willing to put in the work for it. hmm and, you know, meds aren't always the option. You know, there's, like I said, my outlet's this. I haven't taken meds in probably almost a year and a half, two years. I had a problem with taking meds. I just would just forget or just wouldn't want to take it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be changed. Yeah. I still want to be the same person I am, but find some way to naturally heal. Yeah. And I have come up with, I think, the the best formula possible, and I'm working every day to make myself better, Um, and that's how I can speak to these guys and gals and be able to um, give them that opportunity to help cope and to really experience the outdoors in a different way.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great. Thanks for sharing that. My pleasure. What would you tell someone listening that wants to get into hunting for the first time?
2: Don't be afraid. Um, I think it's the biggest one because a lot of people think that the, and i here, I am generalizing, but, um, a lot of folks are afraid to get into any type of outdoor industry just because it's so vast. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my biggest concepts with ICO is to You know, like I, I called you yesterday telling you I'm wanting to do a fletching video Mm -hmm. on how to do it for first timers. Yeah. I did it. It sucked, but I'm happy with the outcome.
1: Yeah. Did you record it? Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. I'm going to work
2: on it. But you know, when it comes to anybody that wants to, you know, get into the industry or just get outdoors period is don't be afraid to take, take that leap. Um, Ask questions that's what I want to be here for as a resource mm-hmm. um, I had the idea and I'll make this public as a, a iron Creek outdoors network it sounded more like a crappy TV show so I didn't move forward with it but it's it's a concept that I want to try to develop into ICO eventually as a not necessarily like a networking opportunity but more of a, a way for folks to come to us if they have any questions like with how to get how do you start bow hunting
3: mm-hmm.
2: or what do you recommend as a pair of boots to buy you know even if it's going to walmart and buying a pair of camo boots for 12 bucks it still works yeah you'll find your way to make things work with your budget with how much time you want to put into it even if you don't have a truck that's why i like the hunting public so much is because they're genuine in a way that they're driving these bigger cars driving to yeah. south dakota for a, a mule deer hunt yeah stuffing it in the
1: their trunk
2: <laughs> their truck they it's put nuts. them in their trunk you know and they're cookie cutter camo that they wear with yeah. you know an old burlap sack and a <laughs> crappy spray paint yeah. it still works yeah i, I call it hobo or b- budget hunting yeah you know because that's i i don't like spending a whole crap load of money on brand new stuff that's going to get ruined in a little bit mm-hmm. i'm a walmart hunter i like to buy you know the camo and just use it if it works it's practical i'm, I'm okay with that yeah You know, there are some hunters, um, that I won't name Marvin Bacon that like to, (laughs) you know, spend money Mm -hmm. on camo, which, which is no, it's no different, you know, they just like reputable brands that, um, they feel is successful and it is, you know, but it's different. That's the different lifestyle Mm -hmm. or different types of style of hunting. Um, you know, there's guys that'll spend, you know, especially duck hunters, they're Mm
3: -hmm.
2: renowned for spending. A grand easy on decoys, guns, everything sure. else. And it, uh, I want to be an outlet for folks. If they have any questions to look us up, ask questions and be able to just take it and run with it mm-hmm. and not be afraid to want to get to the outdoors. Cause I feel like people say that they can't because they don't have the money to anybody. Even if you have a dime to your name, still has the opportunity because yeah. there's resources out there. Yeah. I, I grew up, you know, with my dad and his old 94 green rusted out f-150 you know running the bottoms of runnels and uh him trapping and i'll mm-hmm. never forget my first experience first experience when he trapped a coon in a muskrat in the same trap line and you know me trying to wade through this mud in my little kitty buck boots and just growing up with that mentality of having a place to go and then you know having. Pu- or private ground to hunt on, and then now I'm my own band's man. I have to come up with my own place to hunt. Yeah. And yeah, I have these experiences with hunting private ground, but also using Iowa's public lands. I'm getting more into it this year than I have any ever before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, I remember last year was one of my first big opportunities to hunt, and I didn't have I had rain gear, but I had I forgot it at home, and you know I remember explicitly, it was kind of a ish rainy day and i was hunting outside of des moines on a piece of public and i uh, it started sprinkling and i remember i packed a trash bag non-scented trash bag in my pack and it started raining really good and i'm sitting on the ground underneath the tree and i'm like because i was going to use it as a meat bag mm-hmm. just to chuck it out and uh, when i get home and i decided to cut a hole in it <laughs> yeah, this is my rain suit, you yeah. know, you have to use what you have, you know I'm not yeah. gonna go out there and spend 300 bucks in a rain suit. Yeah, when I got a perfectly good trash bag using it. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know. Yeah Because I mean I think like if you got the money and you love it when- I- Everyone's got a hobby Not everyone not everyone's got a hobby but people who have a hobby they're spending a significant amount of their I don't care if you make ten bucks an hour or six figures there's a portion of your money, probably a ridiculous portion of your money, that mm-hmm. you throw into something that you really love. Yep. And I am, I don't know, I'm, I get it. Like I'm not, I'm not bashing that at all. But I, I do know I could probably check myself a few times and, be like, did you really need that brand new tree stand? Did you? I mean, we both just bought the same one. Yep. But <laughs> did we really need it? I mean it feels good. I don't have that much buyer's remorse for it.
2: I need it. Yeah. yeah. That's my that's my uh, explanation of I Yeah.
1: On. Yeah. I needed it too. Yeah. But need is, you know, all about perspective.
2: Yeah, right.
3: Exactly. <laughs> it's all about perspective.
1: <laughs> but uh I've been wearing the same camouflage clothes for eleven years. Yep. I haven't changed them at all. And I am like real, I'm real itching to spend some money on some new camo, but I just haven't pulled the trigger yet, but yeah. I've had the same stuff forever. I'm so the
2: exact same way. I'm the exact same way. I mean, I, I lose and gain weight as fast as anybody could, but you know, like, especially with pants, you know, when you're a 38 two years ago and you drop to 34 to 36 and pants don't fit, you know, if my dad lost a bunch of weight. I borrowed some of his stuff and then now I'm starting to gain my weight back. Not that I really am proud of that, but, <laughs> you know, it's, you, I started, you know, early in the spring, started looking for camo and then all of a sudden I see a $700 tab and I'm like, Oh my God, there's so no, I, I don't want to pull that trigger. So, yeah, you know, that's why I say, you know, just buy within your means, Yeah, you know, even if it's, like I said, I'll preach going to Walmart all the time, you know. And then putting it in a plastic bin that you can buy for eight bucks. Mm
1: -hmm. Go
2: out to some public ground and get some brush. Put it in there with a dirt wafer square. And just...
1: I love that idea. What you did about the pines and the dirt. And that's a a great idea. I mean, those wafers don't cost very much money. But you know what? Like five bucks is five bucks. Like... I mean, I don't know. If it's a difference between you getting that tag and getting out hunting and you having some fancy gear, spend the money on the tag and just get out there. Because
2: some people don't really believe in scent control, but that's one of the ways that I, I grew up with that works. With It depends on the scenario where you're hunting at, but it's cheap, it's easy to do, and you can manipulate it as many times as you want. You know, you can use the same old clothes and wash them once, stick them in there. Sometimes I don't even wash my hunting clothes just because I... That's just the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not big about using, you know, spray scents all the time. Sometimes it's nice if you have a really bad wind situation Mm -hmm. and nowhere else to hunt. Mm -hmm. And that's your only option. Well, you have to live within your means and do what you got to do. Yep. So.
1: Do what you got to do. Yep. Yeah. No shame in that. Nope. At all. And like at the end of the day, like it's about getting outside and if you're lucky, fill in your freezer, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Agreed. Like, I haven't shot a buck since 2014, but yet I still shoot a doe every year. You know, I'm happy with that. I don't have to hit hit the grand slam or, you know, shoot the biggest buck on the property. Do I want to at some point? Yes. You know, because that's what I'm working towards. It's not about the rack all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's nice to see the rewards of your, you know, the fruits of your labor. Mm
3: -hmm. You
2: know, you putting in the work to actually shoot something, even if it's a 140-inch 8-point. I'm completely fine with it. Yeah. If something bear comes by, that's great. But if not, you know, that's the cards I've been dealt with. Yep. So
1: Yeah. I think a lot of hunters have kind of a they have a goal. They have a challenge they want to complete. Whether that's a um, a two hundred class white tailed deer or, you know, shooting so many animals with their bow or their gun or you know certain species like whatever that looks like. Do you have a goal like that? Something that like really you really want to accomplish?
2: I'm a person that I don't really like to. How should I put this? Um, it does what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, let's mm-hmm. say the next guy buys a, a Matthews verdicts or wants a, an archery elk out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. I like to take the road less traveled. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of the stuff that I like to do is sometimes mainstream, I'm not a big mainstream person. Yeah. You know, I really don't care what people think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way I just kind of develop myself. But if I had to pick one thing that I, I guess as a goal would be to watch my boys shoot their first deer, that's a lofty 18 year goal, but if I can get them there and watch that happen, that I, that's my <laughs> you know I I could shoot whatever I want that's fine but that's not what I'm after yeah yeah it'd be nice but I want to watch my boys enjoy what I got to enjoy yeah and to see them harvest a doe an elk even a flipping bird with the BB gun it doesn't matter yeah. as long as I get to experience that with them and know that I did something to help aid that I knew my job was yeah. well done
1: what a great answer. Honest. That's a great answer.
2: But if I had to pick one, <laughs> it's like a trophy to get. Yeah, like, like I said, everybody wants to shoot an elk out in Colorado or Utah yeah. with a bow. Yeah. Mine would be a bighorn sheep with a bow. Fuck yeah. But that's like $10,000 and I have to get like real, real close. It's so tough.
1: A lot of cardio. But
2: I remember watching National Geographic when I was like five years old on the old boob tube. And you know my dad would watch these or watch the old Bill Jordan hunting shows and I'll never forget watching the Big Horn Sheep documentary and always remembering when they rear up on their hind legs and hit. Mm-hmm. Just seeing that and how much effort they fight and just, it's just huge. And I want the opportunity to be immersed into that and just have the opportunity to observe and take one of those big, giant big horns. But if I had the opportunity, that would probably be my biggest one.
1: That's epic. Yeah. That would be epic. Yeah. But Begable. watching your watching yeah. your boys hunt is is even is even more so yeah. though. Yeah. That's okay. pretty special.
2: Don't be afraid about your about your truth is probably the biggest thing that I've had to deal with, um, while trying to live with PTSD and combat it. Um, a lot of people try to use it as a crutch or woe is me, poor is me kind of thing. Um, but if you are not true with yourself, mm-hmm. you, you have no chance in trying to conquer it. Um, you know, the, when you start living with the fact that yes you have it and you have the ability to climb that mountain and beat it and you gaining that momentum is the greatest strength you can have against that Um, because a lot of people just like to hang on it and use it as a a way to just get by with life i'm not that type of person um i i want to be normal again because before i before i even went to basic training i was you know the i I loved life, I loved being the I'm not the type of person that's like the class clown, but I like to make people smile and laugh, yeah, that's one of my that's it gives me the warm and fuzzies, yeah, just to get people out of a crappy mood and then you know smiling again, so when I deployed came back and then I just i went down that rabbit hole and just kind of got stuck in the zone and i when I finally got out and started being me again. Mm-hmm. I haven't found that old me and I probably won't ever again. That's why I'm developing myself uh to become better, uh to be a better dad, to be a better husband, um to be a better friend for folks. Um you know, I have lost some friends along the way. But um I know that like you said earlier, um when you're kind of talking off topic about, you know, you knowing that you're doing good and you are good. Mm-hmm. Um and you're happy with where you're at. That's where I'm Aiming towards where I'm gonna be it might be a little bit later in life but I know I'm on the right track yeah so
1: so I ask everybody on the show what's your next big adventure
2: Uh, besides an Iowa whitetail um, I started last year me and my brother-in-law Chris uh, were invited to a uh, down to Texas with my dad and a bunch of family members and family friends on a hog hunt and it's uh, down in uh, West Texas, just south of Odessa in a small town of crane. And there's uh, a bunch of ground that we hunt. And last year we got the opportunity to go cause there's certain slots. And if you're in that slot, you're in it unless you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave us first pick on what blind or set to sit in. And uh, we, I ended up taking two hogs, when I found one <laughs> I didn't coyotes <laughs> got to it and then I shot a javelina. It was a Hi. rushing grand experience. Um, the javelina was very, very different because they, I'll explain it later, but I literally almost died from getting <laughs> bum ripped by javelina, but, um, just to do something different, you know, cause I've coyote hunted in South Dakota, wasn't successful, but it was still, I liked the experience. That's all of what being outdoors is, isn't an experience. Um, and getting the chance to go down there again, and just have that camaraderie with everybody, and um, when you're sitting in that pit blind in the middle of the desert with a two, three hundred pound hog that's literally ten yards away from you with your bow, and it's completely black and quiet, and you're only hunting by moonlight, you do some soul searching because you're either <laughs> scared shitless <laughs> or you're. Die hard, ready to go. Yeah. And I remember my first night. I mean, it was completely silent. I had a coyote walk literally five yards away from me, and it looked at me. I looked at it straight in the eye, and I was following it. And I'm like, Oh my god, I'm about to die. And then I got all these little kangaroo rats that I became friends with because I fed them um, my uh, sunflower seeds. Yeah, these little kangaroo rats are like friends because you're only, that's the only person you can talk to because there's no self service. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little crazy, <laughs> but just the experience it's a different experience um, I, my dad talked about it. he's been down there for three years and he said nothing but good things to say about it and just being around all the guys and you know trying their wife's cooking because that's what we eat for supper we prep a meal put it in the freezer and then we have each one kind of contributes and it's kind of a free-for-all and if you don't get in there fast enough you won't eat <laughs> kind of thing um, but it's a great bonding experience um, you know a lot of people, want to go to Africa or want to go to the Pacific Northwest or up at Canada to hunt. I find enjoyment going just the 14 hour drive down to Texas with a bow to shoot a hog to help uh, eradicate that issue. But yeah. it's, it's, I could talk about it for days, but it's just an awesome experience. And that's, that's my next adventure.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. And for people listening, I just found this out the other day and maybe, maybe it was just the group that I was with, but, uh, this is totally, I think, a Midwest thing. I say coyote also. Um, I was recently at a women's retreat. We went fly fishing, and the women there were from all over the states, and I used the word coyote, and most of them did not know what I was referring to. They And I'm like a coyote, and they're like, Why do you call it a coyote? So for anyone listening... <laughs> He's talking about coyotes, just in case.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Just, from but, like, just hearing from different perspectives that yeah, people don't call it the same thing. Like, right.
1: why would you shorten coyote to coyote? Or, I don't know. That's, or yote, what, like, that's what it's or called. Yote. Yeah. Yeah. That's or, what it is.
2: Or, <laughs> or crick or Creek? Yeah. It's crick.
1: Yeah, it is Crick.
2: Say it right. <laughs> me and my wife have that debate all the time, and then she makes fun of me for it. So.
1: I really have to slow down to say creek. Crick just comes out naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a Midwest thing. I could be wrong. I think it's a Midwest.
2: Forest or timber. It's timber. (laughs) It may not be the correct term, but that's what I say.
1: Yeah, it is timber. Woods sometimes, but timber mostly.
2: Yep. What is your next adventure? On the spot, dude. I
1: know. I wonder, like, if other people ask me this, like, if I will have a different answer every time or not, depending on the timing, I suppose. My next adventure. So many. Not the next
2: task. Your next adventure. Yeah, I know.
1: Every task is an adventure. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking, like, well, I got to do laundry today. You're right. Um, so, my next adventure... Really, this this podcast, you're one of the first episodes, and getting this up and out to the world is super scary and really exciting for me. And I don't know. I usually put adventure with super exciting and super scary at the same time. So I would say that this this right now currently is my next adventure. And then figuring out who's coming with me to Africa, South Africa. Might be you. Hopefully. Um. Thank you so much for making the two-hour drive to come hang out with me and yeah. do this episode. It's been really uh, philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> we say it right. Uh, <laughs> or remember and it. it's it's always like good to hang out with you yeah. and get to know you better.
2: Yeah, I completely agree.
1: And hunting season is just a few weeks away. Yeah, and I'm it, so yeah. excited. Yeah. So could you just tell people, like, if they want to follow you, support you, learn from you, Um, how they can find you? you.
2: We're on social media outlets. Uh, We're on Facebook. It's Iron Creek Outdoors. Um, We're on Instagram at iron.creek.outdoors. And then we're also on YouTube. It's ICO Nation. That is a (laughs) – it's in a development. We don't really self-film. We're doing that this year. Uh, Marvin Bacon's kind of our go-to camera guy. We're with Fourth Aerial Camera Arms now. And so that'll give us the opportunity to get out there and uh, put footage of what we're doing. Um, And hopefully within the next few months after hunting season, we'll start putting together kind of how-to videos. And I want to get more into that to help the budget hunter and help those guys out. Uh, So go check us out on the social media. Um, Otherwise, you can look me up. It's Cody Robinson on Facebook. Um, Otherwise, uh, get a hold of us and we'll be happy to help.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. And thank you to all the service men and women out there for your bravery and sacrifices. Thank you for listening. And remember Woods and Waters Project has got your six.